There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to HuffPost's brand new weekly podcast, Am I Making You Uncomfortable? Presented by me, Brogan Driscoll. And me, Rachel Moss. This podcast is a frank, honest conversation about women's bodies, health and private lives. We cover underreported issues and tackle topics you're too squeamish to talk to your mates about. Today, we're talking about female masturbation and later we'll be joined by Alex Fox, who's a sex educator and if you don't know her, she talks almost exclusively in innuendos. It's quite weird to talk about masturbation because it's not something we normally talk about Mm -hmm. and it's quite a private thing (laughs) and uh like many things on this podcast it's not something I really talk to anyone about but here we are I feel like of all of our podcast topics this is possibly the one that makes me cringe the hardest I don't know what it is about it but I am really nervous of like my mum or my nan listening to this which is so (laughs) stupid because like masturbation doesn't hurt anyone why why am I so embarrassed about it it's something that people are only, I'm only kind of seeing now as I'm in my early 30s, positive kind of messaging around masturbation and female pleasure. And um, HuffPost ran a series earlier this year called How to Get Off, which was uh, all about um, female pleasure and um it was really positive and had lots of different stories about women who... Um, kind of the first I time that they on that series <laughs> it um for anyone who missed it it was just a series of articles that were that, that were all basically around pleasure but with a big focus on female pleasure and one of the pieces that I wrote for it was interviewing I'm gonna say maybe like six or seven women about their eureka moments when it comes to female pleasure and it was so surprising that like, their stories were so different they went right from someone who was like yeah, I had great sex for the first time when I was 18 and now I've never had it since and I'm in my 30s. And then at the other end of the scale, someone who's like never orgasmed until after they'd had a divorce and quite late in life. And the running theme through all of them was just that we've never spoken about it before, which is like slightly mad. Mm. It's so interesting. I mean, I've never, I don't really speak about female pleasure, my own pleasure with like, mates or publicly or anything like it's obviously something that I talk to with sexual partners about but not something that I'm kind of like tooting my horn if that's not a weird thing I feel like there is like still an internalized shame about it like you say it probably comes from like school days and like when sex ed was all about like not getting pregnant it was never about enjoying sex and so it it almost seems like you're being demanding if you say that you want to enjoy sex as well which is of course is just like ridiculous but I don't know I remember when I was at university um, did you ever play never have I ever 
the drinking obviously, game. Yeah. Like I remember, <laughs> obviously, I remember there was a time where we were all sat around and someone said, never have I ever masturbated. And then when a couple of the girls in the circle drank, as in, yes, I have, they were absolutely ripped to shreds. And it just goes to show that like a bunch of 18 year olds, all right, we're all 18, 19 and awfully immature. But that messaging we'd obviously all internalised from that age was that it was okay for boys to wank and it wasn't okay for girls too. It's crazy that that, that the kind of shame around female pleasure, even like nowadays, means that women just don't really have access to it. Like there are women who are unable to kind of engage completely because it's just been so shameful. But you're a massive fan of sex education, I am. That is one of the first shows where I have seen masturbation portrayed, I think, and also, well, female masturbation, I should say, and also portrayed in a way that it's it's not about the pleasure for viewers. It's not sexy. It's just put forward as this is a thing that this person is doing. And I think what is super interesting about that show as well is that it's got the same intimacy director as normal people, which I'm also obsessed with. Um, so that's on BBC and that hasn't got any masturbation in it, but it's got a hell of a lot of sex in it. And, it's got uh, so much sex in it. <laughs> so, so much sex. Yeah, my boyfriend has dubbed it Naked People. Like, like <laughs> shall we good. shall we watch another episode of Naked People? It's <laughs> r- ridiculous, but like again, it's you know there are parts of it that are quite realistic, and it shows consent and checking in with one another and mm. just all these things. Great, love it. We need more of it. I think. Today we're joined by Alex Fox, a multi-award winning broadcaster, journalist and sex educator who most recently works as script consultant for the Netflix show Sex Education. Alex is passionate about getting us to talk more openly about sex and strives to achieve her trademark decent indecency in everything she takes on. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today to talk about masturbation. Hello. I always feel a little bit mortified when people say multi-award winning. <laughs> Own it. I mean, one of those was the Duke of Edinburgh a long, long time ago. And now I, uh, I'm also into uh, physical pursuits, but of a different type. <laughs> Lovely. Well, as you know, today we're talking all about masturbation. So we wanted to kick things off with the big question at the centre of this whole thing. Why is it such a taboo to talk about masturbation, particularly for women? For a start, I think some people uh, feel uncomfy about masturbation because they've been brought up in a community environment or in a family or in a religious context that told them that to touch yourself, to pleasure yourself was wrong or bad or or dirty. Um, A lot of people never spoke about masturbation at school. It wasn't part of their sex education curriculum. Um, I don't know. I mean, what was sex ed like for you guys at school? Like one lesson, about an hour, I think. Absolutely awful. I mean, we've spoken about a few times and it's like the teacher was awkward and therefore the kids are awkward and you grow up with this idea that sex is awkward which is just like not good for anyone and then those kids become the teachers who are awkward it's like Mm. a never-ending cycle ours was just completely focused on like the reproductive 
organs and how to make a baby rather than any kind of pleasure or anything like that so well speaking of organs mine took place in a music room so we were surrounded by like clarinets and cellos and flutes and then shown some really graphic slides of STIs in their most advanced untreated stages (laughs) so there were a lot of musical instruments in that space but absolutely no horn by the end of it (laughs) and the message given to us particularly as girls was all about protect yourself from diseases and protect yourself from unwanted or unplanned pregnancy. Mm. Um, But when it came to self-pleasure, the teacher's mouths were as closed as our legs were supposed to be. (laughs) Um, And definitely, I think for a lot of people, it starts at a younger age as well. It's really natural for children, even when they're kind of like tiddly toddlers, to realise that touching their private parts can feel good Uh, and their parents or caregivers quite rightly tell them not to do that in public spaces but sometimes that lesson is delivered in a way uh, where the message is that is naughty that is rude Uh, don't ever do that you'll be in trouble if you do that Mm. or uh, that's foul it's a gross thing to do Uh, and parents understandably because they don't have the foundation to mm. teach themselves, you know, they haven't been given that that information well in their own childhood or, or life journey. Um, they don't follow that up with "it's all right to do that mm. in private at the right mm, moment." Yeah. Or, There's nothing wrong with the pleasure. It's all about context. Um, other reasons I think that we that we get upset uh, about masturbation. Uh, are that we just don't talk about it. Um, A lot of us worry about whether we should be doing it or shouldn't be doing it, and we don't know what the normal is. So we can really scrutinise our own behaviours or lack thereof. I think what frustrates me is how different it is for guys. So, like, growing up in pop culture, it was kind of a joke almost or just like a given that men masturbated and it was um, kind of something that was widely spoken about. Like in school, it was always a joke and stuff, but never the same for girls or now, like growing up, never the same for women. Um, Why do you think that's different? Well, first of all, I am going to say that I think that idea of male masturbation being a joke has actually done some damage Mm. to a lot of guys. Mm. Um, Ostensibly, we're all talking about men wanking or, you know, teasing the weasel or whatever you want to call it. What's your favourite word for masturbation, by the way? I just call it wanking. I don't know if I have a favourite. I've never like really ranked lad. them. To be <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I go for What's the lads. Uh, I'm a big fan of David Bowie, so my my favourite is uh, letting Toby get lost amongst the labyrinth. <laughs> so, that's, that's a mouthful. That's specifically uh, using using sex toys. So sex toys are Toby now in my household. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, ostensibly, because we joke about male masturbation, um, I think that kind of locker room bro culture has probably made a lot of men feel fear about speaking up if they have questions about masturbation. So to think that because we joke about male masturbation mm. that it isn't an issue is a fallacy. Um, certainly, though, when I was younger, female masturbation wasn't talked about at all Mm. I don't even remember jokes it just wasn't what we were doing in our bedrooms or not wasn't on the table in any context Mm, yeah um I think 
that that conversation is starting to change, but still, a lot of the images and a lot of the messages that people get about female masturbation come from porn, uh, where it's something that's performed often for male pleasure, and as a result, it's all splay and display, <laughs> isn't it? You know, yeah. it's, there's legs wide open. It's like an all you can see, all you can eat buffet of genitalia. <laughs> um, the camera is right up there inside the vole hole. You know, and women are, are often pictured frantically, like rubbing their coochies uh, as though they're starting to, to try to start a fire, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Um, in real life, we know that women masturbate in all sorts of bodily positions. It's not always that uh, that vigorous and almost violent. Um, with sex education, we showed Amy's character uh, mm-hmm. masturbating uh, and she actually reaches orgasm while she's lying down on her front, a position you don't often see in porn because it obscures the visual. Mm. And I know that the creator, Laurie Nunn, and the team, uh, and Amy Lou Wood, who plays Amy in the show, got lots and lots of contact from fans saying, oh my God, that is the first time I've ever seen the way I come depicted on the screen. I feel really normal. I feel mm. validated. Um Amy's character then goes on to announce the next day at school that she had a wonderful time and then ate six crumpets. <laughs> uh, and so I've uh, heard the term crumpeting to me. Oh, I love <laughs> Getting that. yourself off whilst <laughs> lying on your front now. Yeah, That's brilliant. I absolutely loved the last series of Sex Education. And the thing you mentioned with Amy was great, but I also loved that like there were scenes with Ola as well where she was exploring herself and her partner. And also Otis, I mean, he had a huge masturbation storyline this time. Um, it was just doing it all the time once he'd once he'd found a love for it was worried that he couldn't stop that whole idea where did that come from and how was filming that with those young actors the way that my job works is that I get sent certain parts of the script to review. So sometimes uh, Laurie or the rest of the production team might say, OK, we know we've got a chlamydia storyline here. Oh, mm. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> um, can you help us with the logistics of this? So basically, I am the architect of the chlamydia outbreak. <laughs> I was responsible for the chlamydia in the eye. It was me, guys. Um I'll check whether it's uh, factually possible. Sometimes my job isn't to make sure something is medically okay. It's to uh, ascertain whether that's something that young people actually know or whether that's something they'd commonly get wrong or Mm -hmm. whether there's a a piece of terminology that's going around or a myth that everyone believes. So whilst on one hand I have to check that a lot of what Otis and Jean are saying is correct, on the other hand it's my job to reflect common misconceptions. I'll try and suggest some jokes um, put forward ideas, things I've heard from the young people I interact with that might Mm. have relevance to them, that Mm -hmm. they'd want to see portrayed in the show. But I only see certain bits of the script. So when I'm watching the show along with everybody else... I'm still waiting to find out what happens in certain bits oh, of the story. That's as well. good. So you got you still get to enjoy it. You've only got like these little snippets that you're involved in as well. Exactly. Yeah, I get good. sent it a little bit earlier, mm. um, but I almost always binge watch it. So it's just two days of me yelping nice. in my front room. <laughs> <laughs> it is hilarious. One of the things that obviously Otis goes through is worrying that he is masturbating too frequently. Yeah. That's an idea I think that some of us maybe heard in school, not from teachers, but just rumors. Is that is there any truth in that to finally say to people listening, can you masturbate too frequently? Can you crank that wank 
yeah. to the point where <laughs> it becomes problematic. <laughs> if you feel that you are touching yourself compulsively to a point where it's getting in the way of other things in life, so you're not showing up for work, for example, or you're late for things a heck of a lot, or it's affecting other relationships. Um, You might be acting in a way that's quite surreptitious. Maybe your Mm. porn consumption is something that you feel like you've got to take, uh, you've got to hide from other people. Um, There's all sorts of scenarios where masturbation and the things it's adjacent to, like using porn, can uh, affect an individual's behaviour in a way Mm. that they and others might find difficult. Um, I think that's the time to go and see a therapist and often it's connected to to other aspects in somebody's life like depression or anxiety or it has to be treated on an individual basis I think Mm -hmm. Um, I get asked a lot like what's a normal amount to masturbate (laughs) it really varies from person to person I wouldn't worry about how much you are um, going for a row in the pink taco boat (laughs) or whatever (laughs) unless you think that it is getting in the way of your life Um, On a more physiological basis, um, you can get quite sore if you Mm. are touching yourself a hell of a lot. So if you feel like things are getting a bit tender in your your tender places, (laughs) uh, then maybe give it a rest. Um, Lots of young women in particular, vulva owners, uh, ask me if you can get addicted to a vibrator or if you can cause yourself damage by mm. using a vibrator too much or a sex toy too mm. much, um, you it would be extremely difficult to create lasting nerve damage uh, by buzzing the fuzz. So don't worry too much about that. Having said that, if you are repeatedly relying on a really pow- particularly powerful sex toys, you know the ones that you plug into the mains and your lights dip and your lucky bill <laughs> goes through the roof, like the ones I prefer, um, <laughs> your body can uh, start to get used to a very intense yeah. form of stimulation. That does not mean that you and your poon are ruined forevermore. <laughs> it just means that you need to maybe wind that down, mm-hmm. take a step back for a few weeks uh, and mm-hmm. learn to rely on your digits rather than your widgets and your gadgets for a bit. And of course, once you do develop like a healthy relationship with masturbation, it can be great. Why does it feel so good for men or women? What is going on in your body, in your brain when you orgasm? Can you tell us anything about that? Ooh, okay. Well, for a start, you turn into a chemical factory when you're masturbating and when you're experiencing sexual pleasure or orgasm. Um, oxytocin and dopamine, which are uh, chemicals that make you feel blissed out and more happy and hopeful and, uh, and often quite connected to the person you're experiencing pleasure with. Um, I think that's partly why masturbation can be so good for us. If we feel good with ourselves, mm. we're more likely to feel good about ourselves. Mm. Um, if you can demonstrate to yourself that your body has the capacity to make you feel effing great by <laughs> effing yourself, then it's easier to love yourself, isn't it? It's easier or at least easier to accept the potential of your body to be a good thing. You also produce a substance called prolactin, which uh, has all sorts of roles in the body, but it has been linked to deeper, more rejuvenating sleep. Um, you produce endorphins, which are basically like the body's natural painkillers. Um, so a lot of people who are anxious or depressed can find that masturbating can bring them some relief. I say that with the caveat that if you are experiencing depression, 
wanking all the time is not the way to fix that you know mm-hmm. if you're having a little bit yeah. of a blue day then playing with your pink bits might give you some relief <laughs> um but if it's more of a sustained issue please go and see a specialist check with the gp go and chat to somebody um it's not just about chemicals and your brain though there are a lot of other parts the lungs for example a lot of women because of what they see in porn think that they have to do like little itty bitty squeaky breaths like a a gerbil on a jog you know (laughs) Um, that causes your chest to tighten up if if that's the if that's the sound that you naturally make during pleasure then you go with your mousy self that's fine Um, but actually breathing more deeply and uh, maybe even making more of a guttural sound or seeing what it feels like in your whole body to change up your breathing. For some women, that can be the difference between uh, getting to O-Town or stopping just short of it. Yeah. Um, one theory of why breathing deeply can actually help you to experience pleasure or have an orgasm is that there is a big old nerve called the vagus nerve. It is quite vague in many ways. It does a lot of jobs. But it extends from the kind of the neck, the back of the the back of the skull that has fronds that splay out through the face, goes all the way down right into your pelvic region. Uh, And you know, you know what nerves look like. You know, they look like a kind of family tree. Mm. It's got cousins and daughters and sons all around your kind of your internal genitals, basically. Breathing deeply stimulates that vagus nerve and can essentially, some people posit, wake up your bits. It can wow. help with your bits. That's really yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Very interesting. Your um, your pelvic floor muscles as well. We're often taught that we should exercise those by doing Kegels, which mm-hmm. is when you, you basically hold your muscles as though you were trying to keep in a wee. Um, but not only can doing that... Uh, during the day when you're not having sex or masturbating um, help with things like incontinence and with stronger orgasms but actually clenching and unclenching your PC muscles your pelvic floor muscles whilst you're masturbating or having sex can help provoke an orgasm too and would you believe some people find that curling and uncurling their toes is what the <laughs> wow yeah. all the tips today yeah, exactly. things I never knew <laughs> You never knew you had this many erogenous zones. No, not my toes. It's yeah. the crystal maze. Yeah, yeah, the industrial zone, that's where I keep all my sex toys. The erogenous zone, that's my whole body. Um, so we spoke earlier about uh, the taboo around masturbation and how growing up, like not a lot of people spoke about female masturbation. When do you, who do you speak about it with? And where would you recommend like any listeners to do so? Like friends or like family, perhaps? Maybe not family, actually, that'd be a bit weird. Well, but. why not? I don't know. I actually I do speak with my family about masturbation, not with my brother. My brother thinks I work in fashion. <laughs> <laughs> and my bro is, I don't think he's ashamed of what I do. Um, I think just it, very naturally, he doesn't want to hear this information from his sister. Fair play. <laughs> um, but I do talk to my sis and my mum about these things. Um, I think people in my life sometimes would rather that I did shut my trap and stop talking about twats but hey (laughs) um I think there are lots of good reasons to talk more about masturbation once you open up and start sharing you can hear some really hot tips Mm. um but also if there's been something on your mind that you're worried about for example um have you heard of vaginismus 
Yeah. Uh, this is the condition that causes the the muscles in the vaginal canal to, to tighten up to the point where penetration, whether that's with a penis or a finger or a moon cup or a tampon, becomes uh, painful to the point almost of impossibility. Um, lots of women who I've spoken to about that didn't know where to turn. And they found that having conversations about masturbation with their friends gave them the confidence to say that they were going through this. And because there are often psychological links with vaginismus, it's it's often, um, although not always, connected to something in your brain telling mm. you to clamp up in order to protect you, uh, whether that's because you've had a bad experience in the past or an assault, that's certainly not always the case, uh, or whether something has frightened you or, or whether it, sometimes it can just be a brain that is a bit like, you know, those, um, you know, everyone has a smoke alarm that goes off in their house when you've only burnt the toast and there's not <laughs> major, it's, yeah. it's not mm. a major alarm system. Some people's bodies are like that. They're like, oh, no, I'm going to tense up, even yeah. though there's not, yeah. this isn't emergency, but I'm going to treat it like it is one. Through talking about masturbation with their friends, mm. they were able to uh, feel a little bit more at ease about the entire subject. Mm. And that actually, contributed towards their healing mm. because it helped them relax about it. And almost everybody has a masturbation story, not everyone. Uh, there are also some asexual people uh, who don't feel the urge to masturbate or if they do masturbate, it's because um, it relieves them if they're a guy or it helps them sleep or whatever, uh, but it's not inherently sexual for them, although that's not true for all asexual people. But broadly speaking, masturbation is a topic where everyone's got a tail. So we got some listeners to um, to send us some of their experiences of masturbation. The first few times I tried to masturbate, it didn't work at all. And so I quickly concluded it just wasn't for me and I stopped trying for years. But that just wasn't true. And I simply had no clue about my clit and about how it works and I'm afraid this is often the case for too many women. I find it striking how little we know about female pleasure and about ourselves. And I wonder why it has to be such a taboo. That listener there really touched on the idea, I think, could possibly be quite common for a lot of women. You perhaps try masturbating. It doesn't work because you're not tall about it. And then you kind of give up for a while and lose hope for it. So have you got any advice for any listeners on essentially how to do it? How do you get yourself off? Well, for a start, I think it's really important to recognise, even if you are a regular masturbator, the things that got you off in the past might not work for you now, which is why it's important to switch up the ways that you masturbate and try different things throughout your lifetime. And also uh, not to be worried that if masturbation wasn't something that you enjoyed in the past, if you feel so inclined, giving it a go in, a few, in the future might result in, in, a more, in a happier outcome. Hmm. There are all sorts of things that can affect your sexual response. Things like the menopause, pregnancy, uh, going through puberty, medications we're taking, ironically, including contraception, can uh, affect your, your libido and also how your body responds to certain touches and techniques. Uh, antidepressants, in particular um, SSRIs, 
uh, can make it harder to orgasm or experience pleasure. A good place to start is with a few activities that I can suggest. One is called sensate focus. Rather than just aiming for your genitals as though your hand or your sex toy is a dart and your bits mm. of the bullseye, think about your entire body. Um, there are a few uh, resources that can help you explore Sensate Focus. There's a really good app called Furly, for example, F-E-R-L-Y. It teaches you to focus on different parts of your body, whether that's the back of your neck or the palm of your hands, the inside of your wrists, and slowly, slowly reawaken your whole body, but also change your mind into uh, an outlook where you believe that you can feel good inside of yourself. So the second clip we've got is from a listener explaining how masturbation can be incredibly taboo in certain cultures. So she's South Asian um, and she speaks about her experience. I'm from the South Asian culture um, and in South Asian culture, female pleasure isn't even a concept. We're kind of brought up to um, think of sex as something that's for men and not for women. So the whole idea of female masturbation is even more taboo. Um, I remember as a teenager talking to my friends um, and someone said, oh, I would never do something like that. So that's how um, how untalked about it is within South Asian culture. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's that much of a taboo that we don't even acknowledge it. So she obviously had quite a negative experience in that it wasn't spoken about at all. As a sex educator, is that something that surprises you to hear or do you regularly hear that culture plays a huge part in this topic? I regularly hear it and I regularly call out for greater diversity within the sex education community. I'm so, so, so grateful that we are starting to make progress in that area. I am under no illusions that um, as a 37-year-old white woman with neon hair from a non-faith background, no matter how much research I do, my lived experience is going to be very different from a lot of the people that I speak to. And some of them just won't relate to me. They won't see me as the right person to teach them. Mm. Um, And it's really important that we have uh, people from diverse backgrounds and sexualities uh, talking about their own experiences and being plugged into different cultures um, to ensure that everybody is having conversations in a way that they feel comfortable with and, and and seen by. I'm really happy to be able to recommend some specific uh, South Asian resources. Uh, There's a brilliant woman called Sangeeta Pillai uh, who runs a podcast called The Masala Podcast. Um, Mm. She started a movement called Soul Sutras. Um, She also speaks very interestingly about how um, the Karma Sutra is an an Indian text originally, um, although it's been subsumed by Western (laughs) culture in many, many ways. Um, and she she has some very interesting uh, observations about how uh, a culture that arguably was quite sexual and was about pleasure in lots of ways, uh, how and why that has changed to become what it is now for a lot of people. So she's one good person to check out. Um, the Village Auntie, 
uh, real name, Angelica Lindsay Ali. Uh, she is a Muslim woman, uh, I think it's Minnesota based. Um, she has a really brilliant Instagram account where she talks about uh, sex education from a faith background. Um, shout out to Nafisa and Selena from Amalia.com. They talk in very progressive ways, again, about uh, what it's like to be a sexual person who is Muslim and brown. Uh, and also, please do check out the work of uh, Dr. Annabelle Showamimo and all of the rest of the team at Decolonizing Contraception who speak to other people of colour with knowledge of their backgrounds and their influences, much more so than, than my own. I have learnt a lot from them and continue to mm. do so. So the third listener we've got a clip from here is talking about her experience of sex education in school. Okay, so the first time I masturbated, I think was quite late in life, maybe 16, 17. I went to an all-girls boarding school where you did not have a lot of private space it was kind of like frowned upon just there wasn't a culture where that kind of thing was allowed so it was quite late in life I think there's a huge stigma around female masturbation I think part of it is there's an embarrassment still about talking about it I don't think girls when they're together talk about it they don't know how to um they think it's maybe a bit odd and I think that comes from quite a young age of just not having an open culture around female pleasure and it not being discussed in a way that male pleasure is I also think that culture is is perpetuated by men who feel a bit uncomfortable about female masturbation still like they feel pushed out or that it's kind of competitive and it's at the compromise of something that they could do I think that there's that element as well so it's kind of twofold um I don't have any memory at all of it being talked about when I was at school there was no kind of education around it all I remember was that we weren't electric toothbrushes were banned we weren't allowed to have electric toothbrushes because they were worried that we would masturbate so that's the only recollection I have of it and I don't remember till maybe my early 20s really it becoming a thing that girls talked about it I remember at university we there was a party and in the goodie bags of the party um, a girl gave everyone um, bullet vibrators and I remember thinking that was such a huge deal that was so taboo breaking that someone would openly do that and that we were expected to talk about it and she kind of texted us afterwards and was like enjoy your present and that for me felt like something out of sex in the city like something that Samantha Jones would do because it never been the conversation in my friendship groups until then and that was really in my 20s actually. So we just heard from a listener there who spoke about how um the culture of silence around masturbation, particularly female masturbation, is perpetuated by men because they kind of feel like it's excluding them from female pleasure. Can you kind of talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I think a lot of guys feel that if women can make themselves feel great, they will somehow be out of a job. Mm. <laughs> uh, and that idea uh, extends into this massive fear of sex toys, uh, like seeing vibrators as enemies of the penis <laughs> come to rob you and your shaft of all of your powers. Um, in relationships that are in lots of ways very healthy, people can want to talk to each other honestly and openly about masturbation and about what brings them pleasure, but there's mm. still a lot holding them back. Um, for a start, if you've been with somebody for a long, long time and what they've been doing in bed hasn't been tickling your pickle, but you've been pretending that it has, 
then speaking to them all of a sudden with radical utopian honesty <laughs> about that can be in- incredibly intimidating. Mm. You can worry that you're going to squish their ego like a rotten Halloween pumpkin in November, you know. Uh, you, you might worry that that person will then doubt other aspects of the relationship and think, well, what else have you been lying to me about or fibbing about? Um, so correcting things can be very intimidating. I've spoken to couples who their partner has asked them to masturbate in front of them because they want to learn from the master, the masturbator, if you will. (laughs) Um, But these women have felt that they can't be honest. We don't always go as far as we need to with talking Mm. uh, and with demonstrating what gets us off. Um, It's difficult. I do acknowledge that. Um, I think if, for a start, we need to stop seeing our partner giving us input on their pleasure as a slight to our own prowess in Mm. bed. I think a really good motto to bear in mind is, I learn by hearing, I'm here to learn, and I'm going to be enthusiastic about both. Don't take it as a slur if your partner makes requests of how you touch them or wants to show you more about how they touch themselves. Mm. It's great advice. Final question. Yeah. Question that we ask all of our uh, guests that come on the podcast. What makes you uncomfortable? Oh, okay. Do you know what really makes me squirm and feel like I'm going to turn inside out with embarrassment? Pantomimes. (laughs) What? That was not what I was expecting. I I just can't stand them. Oh, no, you didn't. I'm... Musicals as well, like oh, guess how everybody knows the words. It's this so is really bad. We can't, Rachel, we can't absolutely. be friends anymore. No, La La Land's my favourite no, film ever. No, no. <laughs> uh, uh, I went to see Matilda no. on Friday, and I absolutely loved it. <laughs> it's particularly pantomimes for me. I went to go and see one with an ex-boyfriend many years ago, and I just could feel myself sinking lower and lower <laughs> in my chair with absolute like teenage embarrassment. <laughs> I felt. I was wishing myself away. I worry when I go and see pantomimes and see everybody doing everything over the top and how annoying it is. I think, oh, God, that is me. Am I permanently perceived as the pantomime dame? So so. pantos are like looking in a horrible circus mirror for me and they make me really paranoid and deeply uncomfortable. I love that. Unexpected, but brilliant. What a great answer. I did not expect that either. Um, Thank you so much for coming in, Alex. Um, You can follow Alex on social media at Alex Fox, and that's Alex with an I. Yeah, one I, like Cyclops. A-L-I-X-F-O-X. That's it for Am I Making You Uncomfortable this week. I must admit, because you won't be able to see me, that I basically spent that entire interview with my head in my hands and with a really red face. (laughs) You were so embarrassed. You did not handle that well, but well done for persevering. Oh, I got through it. That's the main thing. Um, (laughs) I'm Brogan Driscoll and you can find me at Brogan underscore Driscoll. And I'm Rachel Moss and you can find me at Rachel Moss underscore. This podcast is produced by Crystal Genesis and our sound engineer is Nag Karinde. You've just listened to Am I Making You Uncomfortable? Hashtag A-I-M-Y-U.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.